Keith here from Lewis Jewelers, and I would like to take a quick moment to say how grateful and thankful we are to all of our local and online clients we have helped out this past year. We truly appreciate your business every day and for making Lewis Jewelers one of the most talked about jewelers in Michigan with over 750 five-star Google reviews. We appreciate the honor to keep celebrating your moments together. Stay safe, be well, and go blue. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. This is the Maize and Blue Breakdown. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom. Michigan Penn State week. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan's win over Indiana. Uh, heading into a big, big game against the Nittany Lions this weekend in Happy Valley. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of Michigan basketball. They opened their season last night with a 12-point win over Buffalo. And then we'll get into our college football picks at the end. Picking uh, five or six games. I went five and one last week. Anthony went four and two, so pretty good uh, performance by us. I did a little more research this week than last week, which kind of scares me. But we can get into that. Uh, Anthony, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I went four and two, so that's nothing for me to, uh, you know, no slouch on my end either. But no, yeah, it's been a it's been a good week overall. I mean, the health of the Wolverine staff is, is a completely different question. But we're all here. Uh, it's a big week with basketball getting underway on Wednesday and then another big game until or unless Michigan wins it on Saturday because we know how that goes. But another big game this weekend at Penn State. So a lot going on right now. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a huge game. Uh, if they win it, though, then, you know, Penn State was a garbage team. And, you know, that'll be the narrative from everybody. Of course, it's not true in reality, but that's perception, uh, which drives a lot in college football. Um Michigan beats Indiana last week. Kind of a boring game, I guess you could say. But at the same time, Michigan did a lot of good things in that game. Still saw some struggles uh, in the red zone. Two of those were with J.J. McCarthy in the game. I think the biggest concern coming out of this game is the injuries. And, you know, all the offensive guys being out. Eric Hall and Donovan Edwards didn't play. Kind of, you know, felt like they could have and, and will probably be back this weekend, and then you you take a look at all the guys that went down in that game. Andrew Anthony, uh, A.J. Henning goes down. Cade McNamara was in and out of the tent. And then Blake Corum, the most concerning out of all of them, a few snaps into the game, he limps off, kind of um, you know jumps off the field, no pressure at all on the one leg, ends up being in a walking boot by the end of the game in street clothes. Uh, and then defensively, Jamon Green going down. There's your third corner in a position that doesn't have a ton of depth. So that's basically the main storyline. Uh, you know, we said coming into the game, just kind of take care of your business, do your job, do what you need to do, and come out healthy. They did the first part. They didn't come out necessarily healthy going into a big game at Penn State. But, uh, you know, feels like they should be able to get a lot of these guys back. I guess, what did you see in that Indiana game? Your, your just kind of general thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's probably about as boring and as routine as a three-touchdown victory can be. Right. Um, you know, if you want to do the if you want to go back to the old Jim Harbaugh ism of, oh, there was some meat left on the bone or opportunities left on the field. I guess fine. Um, you know, coming off of a, an emotional rivalry game, especially after an emotional rivalry game loss, like in seasons past, that Michigan State game has kind of sent Michigan into a tailspin after they have played it or lost it or whatever it is. So the fact that they were able to come back, it seemed like. Uh, you know, it seems like, you know, the focus was high. Uh, they were able to turn a page. 
uh, pretty quickly from it. The the intensity was there. You still had your good performances on both sides of the ball. So to me, it was pretty routine. I mean, I think Michigan could have certainly played better, but the fact that it was, you know, a night game, I don't, I mean, we can call a spade a spade here. I don't think anyone was too fired up to play a night game against Indiana. I know I certainly, you know, being the curmudgeon I am, wasn't looking forward to covering a night game against Indiana. But at the end of the day, I mean, injuries suck. And that that green tent or blue tent or whatever it is on their sideline that guys were going into, there was a lot of traffic going on there. And you don't want to see that. It sounds like most of those aren't going to be a big concern here long-term, let alone even this week. A lot of those guys should be back on the field. But, yeah, I mean – it's as routine a blowout as, as we've seen this year from them. It's just, they just kind of, I, I don't want to say they sleepwalked into it, but it was, they played the game and nothing too crazy or too spectacular happened when it was over. They won by three scores. So on to the next. Yeah. And I mean, they were, they were fired up playing hard. You know, you saw the passion. It, it felt like more of the same, it felt like more of what we've seen from this team. Um, it was just kind of one of those games coming off a loss where, you know, it lost a little bit of luster. Um, in that sense, it's the week before another big game, um, which we can talk about as well. I mean, man, Penn State doesn't have a ton to play for other than, you know, just kind of continuing their season, you know, trying to salvage things and, you know, maybe get to nine wins or something like that. Uh, but Michigan has everything on the table. This is the number six team in the country. They passed Michigan State college football rankings, but uh, it, you know, well, that stuff's kind of fun to see or, or whatever. And, you know, you can kind of have fun with it and joke around about it. I mean, it literally doesn't matter. I mean, when you look at the college football playoff rankings, like of years past, when you go to like week 10, week 11, week 12, and things like that, it doesn't matter. No one remembers who's in there. I mean, Michigan was in, you know, the top four, most of 2016, and they lose to Ohio state, like Michigan, nothing's changed in terms of them having to win out. But, um, you know, I think the one thing that you continue to see in the last two weeks is that if Michigan does win out, even if Michigan state wins out, I think Michigan has a really good shot of getting in the playoff and potentially having two big 10 teams in that top four. So everything's in front of Michigan still, as we continue to say, uh, you know, the Michigan State loss kind of stung, but I feel like now people are kind of, as a you know, as a fan base, the Michigan fans are kind of back on track in terms of, okay, we see this now. Like, we're, we're back to another big game, uh, and, and we see what we need to do here in the last three games. Penn State, they're getting healthier. Michigan's not as healthy as we just talked about. This is a really good Penn State defense, especially in the back end. I mean, Jaquan Brisker uh, is one of the best safeties Michigan could p- potentially play. Uh, all season long, uh, I'd put Northwestern's guy, Joseph, up there with him at corner. Tariq Castro-Fields is tremendous. Um, you know, they've had some injuries on the defensive front, but they've also, even when healthy, allowed Illinois to rush for 350 yards, and they've allowed some, uh, you know, some teams to run on them a little bit. So in terms of matchup, like, I don't think they're going to be able to make Michigan one-dimensional and throw against their great secondary. I think Michigan will be able to move the ball. They do have a great red zone defense. Um, but I guess specifically on Michigan's offense, which, you know, I think that's a matchup is the red zone, um, you know, with Penn State being so good in the red area on defense. Uh, but specifically with Michigan's offense, um, how do you feel like this one may kind of shake out? Yeah, well, I think Penn State's going to do what a couple of these defenses have tried to do against Michigan, especially if Michigan's 
you know, banged up at running back is they're going to try and take the runaway and make them throw. And like I said, uh, I think when you look at defensive personnel as it pertains to NFL talent, um, I know the senior bowl when we talked to, and I talked to Jim Nagy about a month or so ago, he talked about how a game like this for Michigan is going to be one of those big showcase games for a guy like Hassan Haskins or, you know, an Andrew Stuber or some of these guys uh, on the offensive side of the ball, because Penn state's got NFL players, probably at all three levels of their defense. So uh, I think this is going to be a game where uh, the the passing game is going to have to be a factor for them, uh, not just a factor. I mean, it, I think it might have to, once they lead the way, I mean, Michigan's been able to, they were able to run for whatever it was, I think maybe 150 yards at Michigan state. They ran for about that against Wisconsin, if memory serves me right. So they, they found a way to get it done when teams do kind of stack the box on them. But um, you know, I don't think, I don't think Cade McNamara needs to come out and do what Aiden O'Connell did to Michigan State last week and throw for 550 yards. But I do think that if Michigan's gonna gonna have a, a shot to win this football game, it'll be because we see uh, that quick passing game come back. Hopefully, Eric Alls back out there. Would love to see them use more of that tight end delay. Um, him and Schoonmaker. It feels like they've got two really good safety valves over the middle middle of the field now, and we didn't see a ton of him last week. But um, Andre Anthony started that game and. I would love to see another kind of breakout performance from him as well. So um, the time for, for auditions and training wheels and all that stuff is over. Uh, if this is going to be an offense that can push the ball down the field and, and score points and, and get the red zone stuff figured out, I think we need to start seeing it Saturday. Yeah. And it'll be a stiff challenge in that aspect. At the same time, you're, you know, an offense that has moved the ball really well all season long and really consistently consistently uh, all season long. Cade McNamara has been a big part of that. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Jim Harbaugh has been asked the last few weeks about the red zone offense. What are you going to do to fix it? You know, like it's some one thing or, you know, some guys say like, oh, it's who wants it more in the red zone. Like, I mean, not really. It's not like you just don't want it more inside the 20 when you guys have been moving the ball down. But I think it's a, it's a point that Jim Harbaugh has made a couple times and something that I looked up this week as well. Like, Michigan's number eight in the country at getting to the red zone. So while the percentage isn't totally there, like the fact that they're getting down there and are getting some touchdowns is putting a lot more points on the board. And when you get three points on a drive, instead of stalling out after one first down or two or going three and out, and you get those three points, it's kind of gravy at times. So you have to kind of keep that in perspective. Michigan is moving the ball and getting in the red zone better than any team in the Big Ten right now so far, and we're in almost mid-November. So you have to take a look at that. Um, flipping to the other side of the ball uh, and kind of going along with what I was just saying, like Michigan doesn't need to explode for 38 points like they did against Wisconsin's defense, which is you know almost or, you know potentially just as good, better. You can put them up there. depends on how you look at it with Penn State's. Um, Penn State hasn't scored like more than 28 points against a Power 5 team on offense or 24 points or something like that. Uh, they've had a couple defensive touchdowns. You're not going to need to get to that many points to win this game in all likelihood unless the defense is a total disaster against a Penn State offense that has really, really struggled to run the football, that really relies on the pass game. I mean, Sean Clifford threw 50 52 times last week against Maryland in a game that was uh, a tie game in the fourth quarter. So we're talking about you know, they just couldn't get enough going to pull away from Maryland until late, and they used a pick six to do that as well. Um, I know you had, 
that in your picks column. So we were kind of keeping an eye on that game right before Michigan started last week. But uh, so my point is like this Penn State offense probably isn't going to get into the 30s against Michigan. So you, you just got to do enough offensively. Now, when you look specifically at Penn State's offense, Sean Clifford has done a lot for this team this year. He's playing still banged up, although he's getting healthier. Uh, Chris Ballas wrote it in an article earlier, like his last three or four games, he's negative 52 yards rushing. He's taking sacks. And he's not running as effectively as he normally does when he's fully healthy. So that's something to watch. Michigan has great edge defenders in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo playing against, when you look at the numbers, these are not great Penn State offensive tackles. Uh, the right tackle um, has given up 26 pressures and four sacks this season. The left tackle, 19 pressures and two sacks. So, you know, again, we, we kind of talk about these edge guys so much, but they do a ton for this Michigan defense because if you're going to throw it 50 times against Michigan, and Penn State people I've talked to this week say, yeah, they're probably going to throw it 50, 60 times, then what? If, you know... <laughs> If Sean Clifford you want to get those two guys that many pass, pass uh, those those many pass reps to get to the quarterback, I mean, good luck. Exactly. Like, look at the percentages. Each guy is over twenty percent when it comes to pressure rate. So they're in the face twenty percent plus twenty percent. You know, you're nearing forty. I know uh, it doesn't work exactly like that, but we're talking about guys that can get after the passer. Another key stat for me this week: Sean Clifford, according to PFF, against pressure, he's completing just forty-five percent of his passes. And five of his six interceptions have come with another team, uh, you know, getting pressure on him, notching a pressure against him. Not great against the blitz. Cade McNamara has been pretty good against the blitz. Some quarterbacks are right. They know where, where the blitz is coming from, can kind of attack that. Sometimes it actually, you know, works in the offense's favor. Sean Clifford, not so much. So Mike McDonald has a lot to work with. He can bring some different looks at them, confuse Sean Clifford a little bit. We've seen him do that. With other quarterbacks now, he's better than most they've faced, so you got to give him that credit. But I like Michigan's chances here defensively. I don't think it's going to be a Michigan State game where they give up a bunch of big plays. The one guy that does scare me, though, Jahan Dotson, 242 yards program record for Penn State last week. So I threw a lot at you, but I guess there's kind of a lot to look at when you look at this Michigan defense going up against a Penn State offense that for as much as people want to talk about Michigan being one-dimensional, Penn State's pretty one-dimensional right now. The fan base talking to guys over there are pretty frustrated with the lack of running game. Yeah. I mean, you stole most of my thunder, so I guess we can just close this. Right. Now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to me, this is pretty similar to the game that Michigan played at Penn state a couple years ago in that the key to the game kind of just feels like, I mean, then it was stop KJ Hamler and they couldn't stop KJ Hamler and they lost this. This game is to me, the same deal. Stop Jahan Dotson. You stop Jahan Dotson. It's going to be pretty – you're going to set yourself up pretty nicely here. Um, Dotson has 22 catches in the last two games. Uh, they're getting him the ball a lot. He's got 71 catches, uh, closing in on 1,000 yards for the year, nine touchdowns. So, to me, you take that guy out of the game, make – you take that guy out of the game, and that pass rush gets there. To me, I mean, you know, I know – I understand the reservations from, you know, a fan perspective or a national perspective, like, oh, it's a big game on the road. Jim Harbaugh hasn't won a ton of these, uh, hasn't won at Penn State since 2015. But when you look at the matchups and the areas that look like they will determine which direction this game goes, outside of a Jahan Dotson you know, breakout game, which, listen, the guy might be a first-round talent. So that's not outside of the realm of possibility. I'm not totally dismissing that. 
But if you're able to at least limit him, you have to feel pretty good if you're the Michigan defense. Because what's it? We've heard Taylor Upshaw say this a few times this year, where he goes, "Hey, we feel like if they get us three, that's enough." And that's listen, that's not going to be enough. I love that mentality. I love that mentality. I love the mentality. You're right though, you're right. <laughs> but you shut down. I mean, you shut down this this Penn State offense. Um, this should be a Michigan win. It all points to that for me. No doubt. And you make a great point when, when it comes to stopping Jahan Dotson. Way easier said than done. He's a great receiver. You mentioned his numbers. I mean, he's nearing 1,000 yards, 900, whatever. Um, the adjustment that Michigan made last week, I think, was for a number of factors. When you're talking about Dax Hill, moving him to safety, which, like, we call him a safety. I always write, you know, Dax Hill, safety Dax Hill. Like, he's played nickel the entire year. He's played some safety. You know, Washington was a game where they had him back there and things like that. But as the season has gone on, he's been more so just sitting in that nickel spot, basically manning up with the opposing nickel and then causing havoc on any sort of short pass or any sort of run to the outside. Like, good luck coming to that side. So that, that position has been so good for him. It's been effective for Michigan's defense. But moving him back to safety, not only the free safety spot, but also playing him at strong safety, like, they said they, you know, bringing in Mike Barrett, playing him at the slot, and then being able to move him inside the linebacker when, you know, they, you know, in short yardage type situations if they have to without subbing. That's one reason. But at the same time, would it, you know, it doesn't shock me or it wouldn't shock me to hear. And, uh, you know, we won't get specifics on, you know, why they make these types of moves and for good reason. But like Jim Harbaugh, Mike McDonald, they look at the rest of Michigan's schedule and they probably say, you know, what's the thing we can't win these games and do, you know, and that's get beat over the top by Jahan Dotson and Penn State. And they have good receivers as well outside of him. Uh, Parker Washington uh, is another threat who had a good game against Michigan last season. In Ohio State, the same thing. That one's a totally different beast. But at the same time, like, you're not going to beat them with the effort you had from the safety spot in the defensive backfield that you had against Michigan State, for example, on some of those big plays that they allowed. I like that move. Um, you know, can they completely take Dotson out of the game? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think you have to to necessarily win, though. So, um, you know, yeah, your thoughts on that. No, I think you're right. Um, it's a little less pick your poison than, uh, you know, because Parker Washington is a good wideout as well. It's not quite, you know, Dotson and, and Washington are not quite Olave, Wilson, Smith, and Jigba, like a couple weeks down the road. But um, you could – there are – Michigan's back end has to come ready to play there. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they tinker with that um, kind of that back seven this week, given what we saw them do with Mike Barrett last week and kind of have him playing in that hybrid role that allows them to do a little bit more with Daxton Hill, um, you know, playing a little more safety than nickel, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I Penn state has the pieces to make you no know, to, to score. I mean, this isn't a completely pedestrian offense like um, like maybe Wisconsin was at the time that those two teams played. Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin played whenever it was week four or what have you. But, you know, this is a uh, – it's a test. Anytime you go to uh, go to Happy Valley, thank God it's in the daylight. I, I think that um, they're going – this will probably be a close football game. I know it's either a pick or – depending on where you're at on any given day, I've seen Penn state as a one point favorite. I've seen Michigan as a one 
one and a half, two point favorite. Like this, all indications are that this will be a tough, hard fought game. Um, just like when you look at the matchups, I, I think, I think that Michigan's got the advantage in, in most areas that I think will wind up mattering on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. At the same time, Penn State's put together some good performances. They're capable, and Michigan has to play well, as you mentioned. Like, you have to go in there and play well. I mean, it's the most obvious thing ever, but, like, we can talk all we want about matchups and who's done what in the past, but, like, you have to go into Penn State, a place that you've lost at two straight, and play better than you did for 60 minutes. Like, you played, you know, you played well for the majority of that game in 2019, and you came up short. And you looked like yeah. the better team. I mean, there was no question to me. You looked at Most the of the time yeah. when you play well, you're going to win football games unless you're Nebraska. So It's true. It, it's the crucial mistakes. And, you know, we actually saw it, you know, Michigan against Michigan State. Like, you can be the better team. You can outgain them. You can do it. There's a reason why there's points. And, you know, there's a reason why we talk so much about not making mistakes because they matter um, a ton, even if you do a bunch of things right. So uh, Michigan's got to go in there. Play clean, as Doug Skeen was saying on the podcast the other day. Chris Ballas saying the same thing. I mean, to play clean football, like play the way you've been playing, you know, do the things you're supposed to do. It's so obvious. But, like, from a player's perspective, I see it from Skeen's perspective, too. It's like that's what they're tasked with going in there and doing, you know, just doing your job. And, uh, you know, Michigan, in my opinion, has kind of more of the horses this year when it comes to how they're playing as a team uh, than Penn State. And, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, let's talk Michigan basketball real quick before we get to our picks Wednesday night at Chrysler, man, just to start, I mean, it was your birthday. So happy, actually happy belated birthday on behalf of, uh, everybody at the Wolverine.com and our listeners, if I could speak for them, good Thank birthday you. being inside Chrysler. I mean, man, great environment, especially in that second half. And we'll talk about, you know, the run that Buffalo made and how that's a good team, but like, great environment. Great to see everyone back. We both got there a couple hours early. It's like, why the hell not? I mean, just get in there and, uh, you know, kind of take it all in because it just felt so normal. It felt the same as the first football game to me or didn't feel like we had last year with no fans. Like, it felt like we were just back to normal. But at the same time, you got to kind of, you know, think to yourself, like, okay, this is pretty cool. This is pretty special. It was kind of jarring uh, just because I can't completely forget, forget what last year was in terms of, like we would show up, literally park right outside of the Chrysler Center entrance, walk in, do your little COVID survey, walk to the media place. And that's where you sat until you left because we weren't doing post game in person. It was, uh, you know, we were doing it in Zoom, on Zoom from the seats that we were sitting watching the game at, of course, distance and all that stuff. So there's the fake crowd noise. There was, you know, later in the year, family started to come through. So there was at least a little bit of atmosphere in the building, but, and make no mistake about it. Like last night's crowd was, or Wednesday night's crowd, I should say was, um, it was fine for a six thirty tip on a Wednesday in November. Um, you know, I thought there'd be a little more people there for the ceremony, but again, just, uh, you know, the scheduling, I think of the, the game time and, and what it was, um, despite Buffalo being one of the better teams in the Mac, I don't think that's exactly a name that, was going to draw people out to Chrysler the same way that, uh, I don't know, pick any power five team, but a uh, good atmosphere overall. It was so good to be back. I mean, guys like Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams, and obviously the freshman, that's the first time they've played in front of a college basketball home crowd. So how exciting that must've been for those guys. Uh, it just, it felt 
it felt good and right to be back. No doubt. And it, it didn't feel like that was the first game. And I, I know they fed off the crowd and there were, you know, good crowds there in Indy for the amount of capacity that was allowed. But like, it didn't feel like it was the first time Hunter, Terrence, those guys were in front of the home crowd because like they're so connected. Like when you look at, I mean, social media have become, you know, more and more of a thing. Like they're so beloved, especially Hunter by that crowd that it just felt so natural. Um, but yeah, them talking about it afterwards was kind of cool because, you know, you get that reminder that, that, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why they play college basketball. Um, in terms of the game in general, Michigan gets out to that hot star. And, uh, you know, I wrote about this in my five takeaways, like Caleb Houston, the guy pictured on the screen for the YouTube people right now was so good early on. He's running the floor. I really like what he does in transition. Musa Diabate comes in. He's the first guy off the bench. And uh, we were joking, and, and you were saying it repeatedly. Like, some of the things he does, like, he doesn't even, it doesn't even look like he knows what he's doing. He, it's just instinctual. And next thing you know, he's, like, over by the ball or gets a block or comes over and, you know, runs down a loose ball and things like that. He kind of was just flashing how good he can be, what he, his ceiling can be. Then they cooled off a little bit. I know Caleb Houston had foul trouble. Uh, and then Devontae Jones, who was also looking good and, and looked good for stretches, but had too many fouls and, um, you know, was out a lot of that game in foul trouble. So, like, we saw what these new pieces can do. But then at the end of the day, it came down to Hunter Dickinson, who scored 27 points. It was fantastic against, you know, it's kind of what you expect them to do against a smaller team. Like, they have a couple 6'11 guys, but those guys are pretty skinny and, and Hunter could kind of overpower them. Michigan got some help from Eli Brooks. Big shot from Caleb Houston late, but it was Terrence Williams as well, like another sophomore, you know, one of the guys we just talked about with the fans and all that. Like, he was feeding off of everything. He was trash talking. He's fun to watch, man. Junkyard dog type of guy, as Juwan Howard calls him. Um, just a, a good performance from those two. He had 15 points, seven rebounds. Like, at the end of the day, ended up being like two second-year guys after we saw so much potential out of the freshman Devontae Jones early. Uh, some of your takeaways from this game and, and what you saw, first impressions. Yeah, I think that what you saw was kind of the full roller coaster experience of what this team could be this year. Obviously, I mean, for what my money's worth, and again, I've in person, I've only seen them uh, when we did the media day practice and then this game on Wednesday night, this, those are the first two times I've seen everyone play in person as a group like that. Um, you know, watched, watched the, uh, the exhibition at, at Wayne state, but I wasn't there in person. I, I think what I've saw is that I think for what my money's worth, this might be the most talented ba college basketball team that plays in Chrysler, the most talented Michigan team uh, that I think we've probably seen in maybe since, since, uh, maybe since the fab five, I mean, in terms of the pieces that are there, I don't know how you really can argue that, but um, it was, they were explosive offensively. Uh, I don't know, like to me, perimeter shooting. I don't know if that's, I, I think you wrote about this. I don't know if they're going to take quite as many threes this year, but uh, I do see them running the floor better, getting to the basket a little more. Uh, Caleb Houston. I mean, you see, uh, ESPN put out a mock draft on Thursday where Houston is the sixth uh, overall prospect in the draft taken by the Cleveland Cavaliers. So like get used to that guy while he's here. Um, he looked every bit the player that 
we've heard about. Uh, he's savvy. He runs the floor well. Um, obviously long, uh, athletic, high IQ. He's a three-level scorer. Really liked what we saw out of him. Uh, Musa Diabate. And let me say this about him. When I say that it doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, I mean that as a compliment. He's not, yes, yes. He's not clumsy out there, but he is like – he is – accidentally destructive in the same way that like a tornado or a hurricane is or a comet uh, that lays waste to, uh, to everything around him. Yeah. He's when it, when it all clicks for him, I mean, he's going to be a nightmare. He already might kind of be a nightmare just because he's so, he's just so physically and instinctually gifted that that talent alone puts him in the, where he needs to be. And I don't think he's totally aware of it yet. And that's not me, you know, that's not me taking a shot or anything like his teammates and his coach. You know, have he, would, the same thing. he would probably say the same thing. Based yeah. on like the I things mean, that that's why he's working with Juwan Howard. There's there's a few people forget college basketball in NBA college at any level of basketball who have the type of pedigree that he does in developing big men. So um, and that's without even talking about Hunter Dickinson with about as quiet a 27-point performance as you can put up. I mean, it wasn't quiet. They were all meaningful. But I think we were all ooing and eyeing at what the freshman could do. And, uh, you know, Devontae Jones had a couple good moments. You saw it with him. I mean, he's going to take some gambles on the defensive end of the floor. But with that wingspan, he could stick his hand out and poke something away at any time. So um, this is a good group. Uh, I, I know they weren't completely at full strength. Zeb Jackson uh, was out for the second game in a row. But – yeah, I mean, that's a good Buffalo team, too. I mean, that's, that Buffalo team is going to, if not win the MAC, it'll probably be in the MAC tournament, um, you know, final with a chance to go to the NCAA. So I said this to you on Wednesday night. I mean, I leaned over and, like, this was an NCAA tournament caliber matchup for Michigan, depending on how seedings and such could match up. And I think you know, this wasn't a bye game where you play um, South Dakota, AM State, and just beat them by 40 points and get out of there. This was. It's a good hard-fought win, and I think on opening night, you know, outside of a few lapses here and there, which you're going to see over the course of 30-plus games that have 40 minutes apiece in them, it's not all going to be perfect all at once, but I really liked what we saw on Wednesday. Yeah, and there was some panic in the game thread, um, as expected, right? There always is, even when Michigan wins by 40 in some of those games you're talking about. But, like, basketball is a game of runs, and they were playing a really good team. As you mentioned, in Buffalo, like, Jonathan Williams is a dog. I mean, that dude, 32 points for him, he's going to the bucket strong. Like, he's hitting pull-up jumpers. He was, like, running the pick and roll well, kicking it out to other guys. Like, he was he was damn good. Um, so, like, there's good players. Josh Mbala, you know, their power forward who played really good defense, kind of didn't let Brandon Johns get in a rhythm earlier on in that game. He's a great offensive rebounder. He grabbed three of those, uh, and, and they attacked the offensive glass. Like, they did what they do. Uh, that was a team last year that played really fast like they did last night. They crashed the offensive glass, and, you know, they just kind of, like, drive in, collapse the defense, kick it out, drive in, collapse, like, just try to get you rotating. And, and Michigan, you know, failed to do that at times uh, efficiently with, you know, a lack of Devontae Jones on the floor and things like that. His wingspan, as you mentioned, very good, takes the gambles, fine. But, like, he's – maybe the wingspan is, like, a blessing and a curse because, like, he thinks he can get every ball, and you see him just kind of going after stuff, and he'll learn at this level especially. But he's got to stop falling so much. 
Um, you know, otherwise it's going to be a problem there at point guard, especially with, uh, you know, some young guys behind him at that spot. But we'll let things unfold and, and go more than one game before we make any, you know, grand proclamations. Saturday night, Michigan takes on Prairie View A&M in Washington, D.C., neutral site game at 8 o'clock. So everybody, you know, let's say Michigan beats Penn State. It's about 3.34. This is an ABC game, so it could be closer to 3.30, although Penn State might throw 60 times, so we'll see. Uh, and then go out to dinner, have a drink, 8 o'clock comes around, relax, watch Michigan, probably smash Prairie View A&M. This is a team that played St. Mary's on Tuesday, lost by 19. They're about to play San Francisco. This is in California in both games tonight, and then they play Michigan on Saturday across the country. So it's going to be a tough one for them. But then the Wolverines take on Seton Hall on Tuesday night in the uh, Gavit games, Big East, Big Ten crossover. 9 p.m. start for that one. So no excuses there. Plenty of time for people to show up. They might not want to show up, though, because it'll be such a late night. But the Michigan fans, uh, for the ones that were there, thought it was pretty loud there in that second half, especially. Um, and smart crowd, obviously. They, you know, they know when it's a big moment, big play, and uh, there are a lot of them down the stretch there for Michigan. Um, let's Should we do college football picks and get into this thing? As I mentioned at the yeah, top, we may as well. We both did well last week. May as well keep him going, right? We did. So five and one for me, four and two for Anthony. He has me overall record though at thirteen and eleven. I'm straight up five hundred, bowl eligible at twelve and twelve. I believe that's <laughs> accurate, right? In the spreadsheet I'm looking at. It is, yes. Okay. Best of my knowledge. <laughs> Minnesota at Iowa. Uh, Iowa five and a half point favorite. I am going to pull up a stat real quick. Iowa, 5-0 and in its last five against Minnesota, straight up, and 5-0 and against the spread in the last five against Minnesota. I'm going to take them to cover five and a half here. You took Iowa, right? Yes, yep. Okay, sorry. That's a bad co-host. That's bad co-hosting on my part. I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> You're good. You're good. I'm going to go with Minnesota only because, and this is more of a feel, you're taking a little more of an analytical approach this week, which I'm here for. I've been riding these on feel, so I'm going to keep that going. Minnesota is like, they're masters of the up-down game. Last week, pretty down. Like You shouldn't lose to Illinois, but um, this matchup for them, the way Iowa has been up and down since their turnover luck has started to run out, I don't know. I I have a feeling that Minnesota is going to, get a win and right after, you know, following a pretty disappointing loss. So um, give me Minnesota in this game. I don't hate that. Yeah, it is freaking me out a little bit that I did some research and have some stats. So it could backfire on me. Yeah, it's funny. PJ Flex signs that extension. Then they go lay an egg against Illinois. So, uh, yeah, there's the Minnesota administration slash boosters that ponied up. There's your thank you gift from uh, PJ Flex. Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State minus 13. I have Michigan State covering minus 13. Maryland's pass defense is one of one of the worst in the Big Ten in the country. They're 0-5 against the spread in the last five games. Give me the Spartans to bounce back. They still have a lot to prove, a lot to play for, uh, some bigger games ahead for MSU, and they cover win by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, Maryland has the ability to attack Michigan State's pass defense, but I just think they're kind of a dog of a team overall. And, you know, if nothing else – Michigan State's coming off of a loss. Their destiny is still in their own hands, much like Michigan's is. Um, and they were served a good old-fashioned dose of disrespect this week. 
with the college football playoff rankings. So give me Michigan State in a grudge game. They are wearing those ugly jerseys, though, with the neon state. Did you see that? I did, yeah. Uh, I should pro- I, I might change my pick, but no, I'm going <laughs> to stick with it. It's, I mean, it might be good for like a point or two. So just keep an eye on that if they lose. I mean, yeah, those we'll call are, it the neon factor. Definitely. So Tennessee, 20 and a half point underdogs, right, to Georgia? Why do I not have this? Yeah, Georgia, 20 and a half point favorites at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, bounce back win over Kentucky. Joe Milton did not play last week, hasn't been playing. Uh, but their quarterback looked good from what I saw in this, the box score. So here's me just going off of stats. And I didn't watch <laughs> that game. I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I think they stay inside the number 20 and a half. I don't know. That's kind of more of a feel type of thing. I don't have any stats to back that up other than that Tennessee is kind of trending in the right direction, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Tennessee's offense has played really well since it's stuffed Joe Milton back in the locker. Um, you know, I think they've been playing well. I think Georgia has been playing like Georgia is a good touchdown better than everyone else in terms of um, their scoring defense. I have a feeling that they're in for a bit of a chaos game this week um, in one of those. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I think just I, I this is just me making another pick on feel. I think they're due to be in a football game and Tennessee might give their fans some hope here and then lose in heartbreaking fashion. But I, I do think that Tennessee will cover that number. Tennessee's a good offense. I mean, when they're, I mean, Joe Milton didn't make them look that good earlier on in the season, but they're putting up some points and yards here as of late. I know that's a good Georgia defense, but score a couple touchdowns, you could stay inside that number, which is pretty big at this point. Um, Purdue and Ohio State, this is a game that some people are saying, man, Purdue might do it again. After beating Michigan State, they might upset Ohio State. It's a 21-and-a-half-point line. Uh, they did win outright. I predicted Purdue to win that game outright, so credit to me uh, for that. Pat on the back for myself. Uh, I think Purdue is going to stay inside this number, too. It's similar to that Georgia game uh, You know, in that Purdue has a really good offense. They're able to throw. Ohio State's about 90th in the country against the pass. Um, and I think they're going to put up enough points to stay in that game against Ohio State, which, you know, I don't think is going to shock many people. I think it's a little more shocking that it's 21 and a half than, you know, than not. I know it's in Columbus. Uh, it's different for Purdue. They're not playing at home. But give me the Boilers, man. I mean, they're going to keep it going. Yeah, this feels – this has sucker bet written all over it because it's one of those things like, whoa. I think uh, last I checked, like 76% of the money is coming in on Purdue on this game. Um that's scary. That's a rat. Stat. Here's a stat. Because yeah, the sports books don't lose. I mean, they turn a they turn on a profit every month. Here's a stat for you, and this isn't maybe not even uh, you know because this is a big number. Is this a stat oh, off? Is, Are we in a stat off right now? Not really. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ohio State's eight and one this year. Uh, they are four four and one against the spread. So uh, we we hear all the time: good good teams win, great teams cover. They just kind of been eh so far. Uh, in that regard, for comparison's sake, and I'm not just—I'm not saying, I'm just saying here. That's all. Um, Michigan's eight and one, seven and two against the spread this year. Um, I do think Purdue will. Who is Purdue? Five and four against the spread this year. I do think that Purdue will cover this number. I expect Ohio State to win. I don't think that. I mean, 
they say things come in threes, but I don't think that'll happen for Purdue. Um, I think they will probably put up a fight, cover the number, but not win the game. I could see it being like a backdoor cover too, where it's like a 28 point game and we see Aiden O'Connell to David Bell, maybe late in the game against, like we keep talking about an Ohio state pass defense that is extremely susceptible uh, on the back end. So we'll see how that one plays out. I do feel like that could be a sucker bet. I think you're right. Um, Texas A&M, we're looking at this spread being their two-and-a-half-point favorites at Ole Miss. Now, this one I did more research for, less stats than anything. But looking into stories, I read a couple articles checking on Matt Corral's health for Ole Miss. He hasn't practiced in the last two weeks. He's still nursing that left ankle injury that he hurt late in the game against Tennessee, if you remember that game, which was a crazy game that Ole Miss ended up winning. Uh, I think there were over 100 points scored. I had the over in that game. Again, credit to me for that. But uh, he hasn't been the same guy. I was looking at his box scores, which I don't have pulled up anymore. But um, one touchdown last week against Liberty. He threw for you know nearly 300 yards. That's an offense that puts up a lot of yards, though. It runs fast pace. The last three, four weeks, he just hasn't been the same guy. He's kind of fallen off when it comes to the Heisman race. Uh, and I don't think against this really good Texas A&M defense that doesn't have a great offense, but Texas A&M, really, really good defense, uh, I don't think it's going to be enough. So I'm going to take Texas A&M to cover two and a half. Okay, well, the reason I put this game on, not only because, I mean, this is the night game. so there's, there's, I like that you did. Be, I like that you did. There, No, to me, I mean, this is this is one of the more exciting games of the weekend for me. Um, and the reason I put it on here is, if Michigan does not play in the Rose Bowl, I think this is the game between Michigan's going to play one of these two teams in a bowl game, whether it winds up being in the Peach Bowl or, uh, you know, let's say Michigan loses on Saturday. We hope not. Goes to the Citrus or Outback or whatever. One of these two teams, this is my bold prediction, Michigan will be playing one of these two teams in bowl season um, if they don't go to the Rose Bowl. But all that to say, uh, I am going to go with, Old Miss uh, in this game. I think they will cover the two and a half. I know there's some um, some questions about, uh, you know, health on the offense and all those types of things, but um, yeah, go with Ole Miss. Okay. So we're head to head on a couple. We'll check out our, could get dicey here. It could get tight at the end of the season here with some of these, um, you know, records between us. So you're at 13, 11, I'm at 12 and 12. Uh, race to the finish. I don't know what the prize is going to be at the end of the year, but we can figure that out. Maybe after conference championship weekend, then we can do an entirely different bowl uh, type of pick special, but uh, we can figure that out in the meantime. Everybody out there, enjoy Michigan against Penn State noon, Michigan against Prairie A&M in basketball at 8 o'clock. Well, hold on. We didn't make a Michigan and Penn State pick yet. Yeah. Did you put that on there? Yeah, it's on the sheet. Oh, shoot. I, okay, I just didn't look at it because there was no pick next to it for you. <laughs> all the research you did, you didn't research the biggest game. Well, I've been researching this one all week. That's, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's... Michigan, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, our staff picks aren't out yet. I, I do have Michigan winning this game. I'll say this. I haven't decided on a final score yet. So I guess I have them. I mean, I'll say it's not a one-point game, so I have them covering. Okay, I'll be picking the same thing. So official score not out, but... Yeah, there you go. We're both on Michigan. Shocking. I think that's been the case every week so far. It's true. And you mentioned their spread, you know, record this year. It hasn't been a bad thing for anyone to bet Michigan, the Michigan State game notwithstanding. But 
you know, it, it's been a pretty good year for Michigan from that sense. So, and overall in many senses. Um, so that's our show. Join us at thewolverine.com. One dollar gets you an entire year over at thewolverine.com. Now on the On3 network, uh, which is revolutionizing the way college sports are covered and followed by fans. You can join us on our message board over there. Again, just one dollar. Anthony, if you DM Anthony, you know, I used to say it, but now he's got some money to, to spare coming off his birthday, I think. So DM Anthony. He will hook you up with a dollar i'm speaking for him he will venmo you one dollar so your year is essentially free if you do it pretty soon here so go and do that right now but sign up with us for a dollar at the wolverine.com no reason not to join our community uh, with thousands and thousands of michigan fans we will see everyone over on the fort uh, and enjoy this weekend's games